I'm Kate Daniels. Six months into this time of COVID, of keeping distance, working from home, schooling from home at least much of the time, we need to recognize that this isn't just an inconvenience. Something bigger than us, than our life, is going on. With a very personal experience related to life and meaning, Nick Nicholas is here to share with us reflections from his life, reflections from his book, Reclaiming My Life, My Journey Back to God. Nick Nicholas, good morning. It is so wonderful to have you join us today. Well, good morning, Kate. It's a pleasure and an honor to be with you this morning. And I am so excited, really, to share your story, your life experience with our listeners. You've captured a good deal of it, I think, in your book, a really quite recent book, Reclaiming My Life, My Journey Back to God. And while it may sound like, oh my goodness, this might be a religious book, which I don't have a problem with, but really it's bigger than that. It's really a a spiritual book, which I think is a much broader, more all-encompassing approach to to your life, to our life, right? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, as I took my journey, I learned the difference between religion and spirituality. Uh, religion is very important in our lives. I'm, I'm a practicing Catholic. Uh, our religion and the churches we go to, that is our external connection to God. That's those things that we see, hear, taste, touch, smell that keep us reminded of you know what God has done over the years. And the other side of it, however, is our spiritual connection to God, which is our direct connection. As you read in the book, when I actually hit the wall, if you will, the first time in Gen- in uh, March of 1981, uh, all I wanted to do was die. And if I'd had a weapon, you and I would not be having this conversation today. However, I heard a little voice, and all of a sudden a thought popped in my mind, this is the reason I need to live. And as a result of that, that was my first step on my road back. And what I've learned since then is that we are directly, our spirit is directly connected to God through our emotion of love. And that is our spiritual connection. Our religious connection is very important because it keeps it in front of us. But it is our emotional connection to God that we live every day. And unfortunately, that is often darkened by fear, which obviously right now as a country and as individuals and as families Uh, We're living a lot of that right now. And what is interesting, you point out that we have lots and lots of feelings, but when it comes to emotions, there are the two emotions, love and fear. That is correct. Uh, When I had a near-death experience on December the 12th, 2015, uh, I actually walked into the light. I wish there were words could describe it, but the the love, the uh, the peace, the calm. I mean, there are no words in anybody's language that will describe it. I was at that point uh, twelve seconds away from death. I didn't go all the way. I came out of it, and uh, I really wanted to stay there. I really wanted to be there. But a few days later, it really became clear to me. In my opinion, God is a superior positive energy force of love. And 
when we're born, we are born with a degree of spiritual energy. Now, we've proven that there is energy, there is a spirit, because when a person passes, they've already proven this, that their body loses up to and as much as a quarter of a pound at point of death when the spirit leaves the body. And I've come to understand, at least in my mind, that spirit is an energy. And energy, for those of us that have tried hard to forget our physics classes, uh, can need to be created or destroyed. It can only change form. And so in our spiritual energy, the form it changes is either positive or negative, the emotion of love or the emotion of fear. And that is such so critical for us to grasp uh, because we grapple with what's going on and how do I understand this? What do I do? But when you describe it this way, Nick, and understanding really the simplicity of it, it's it's complex, but there is a simplicity. If we can grapple with that, I think we can get your, we don't have to relive your experience Sharing your experience with us helps us to be able to integrate it into our life and see how that works. Absolutely. Well, here's what makes it. It is very simple. However, here's what makes it complex. Our number one instinct, number one human instinct is survival. Anytime we perceive there is a perceived or a real threat to that survival, then the immediate reaction, the human reaction, is fear, and that is good. It keeps us from doing silly stuff. I don't cross the interstate during rush hour traffic. I don't jump off of 12-story buildings. Uh, I'm afraid of doing that, and that's good. However, oftentimes we don't understand that the threat is not what we perceive it to be. But it doesn't really make any difference if perception is reality. Fear comes in various levels, all the way from minor concern. For example, uh, in your profession, you're very good at what you do. If somebody made an offhanded remark about, well, she didn't do very well or whatever, yeah, you might be a little upset by it, but you're not going to be concerned about it because you have confidence in what you do. On the other hand, if there's another area of your life that you don't feel quite so confident in, you know, maybe it's finances, relationships, uh, whatever, that you don't feel totally confident in and somebody says something negative, your level of fear is going to jump up because you don't feel confident enough to handle what it was that was said to you or what it was that you observed. So the key to taking the complexity out of it, if you will, is to develop a deep internal sense of security. And we do that through faith and there's three things we can have faith in that will bring us that in level of internal security. So we want to do that. I mean, it's obviously applicable to our lives at any time. But right now, when we are really living in in a state of crisis, I would say, right? Certainly. Yeah. Certainly. If I may just make a comment, um, I think let's just kind of bring this thing down. It's one thing to be frightened about what's going on out there, but at the same time, we have to be realistic. Okay. 
I think it's it's very important for us to realize that this virus thing going around out there is very, very serious. We have to take it seriously. But with the same token, we have to be prudent in the way that we handle it. We can't let it paralyze us to the point that we curl up in a fetal position under the bed, uh, praying that it doesn't crawl under the bed and find us. We have to be able to say, okay, look, and here's a definition of fear that hopefully your listeners can actually work with, because this is how you actually manage the fear. This is the beginning to managing the fear. Fear is nothing but a question. And the question is, am I going to be okay? Can I survive this? We normally answer that no, because you don't know what the future brings. However, the truth is, the real answer is yes, you will always be able to handle whatever comes your way because we have the skill, the knowledge, the ability, and the strength to handle anything that comes our way. It may not come out the way we wanted it, but we're still standing. If you look back over your life, all the times you've been challenged, all of the negative things that happened to you over your life, some came out okay, some didn't come out the way you wanted it, but you know what? You're still here. You survived it. You're okay. And you will continue to be because that is what we were born with was that innate ability to do that. We'll always be able to handle it. And there are some other things around it, which I talk about in the book, and certainly we don't have time to go into here this morning. However, once we come to understand and truly believe, I can handle it. Now, I'll tell you, Kate, I've been challenged. I've had people say, well, Nick, what if it kills me? I didn't survive it. Maybe you didn't survive it in this life, but you handled it okay. Because here's the thing. When they say, well, what if it kills me? There's two answers to that. Number one, there's not any of us going to get out of this mess alive. It's just not going to happen. Number two, well, number two is that our number one's uh, instinct is survival. We will use everything at our disposal to ensure our survival. If we don't, then it was our time anyway, and there was nothing we could do to stop it. So stop worrying about it. Stop worrying about it. And I'll say one more thing about that. I've seen the other side. And believe me, do not be afraid of it. Do not be afraid of it. Don't do anything to hasten it, but welcome it with a smile because it is absolutely incredible. And as you were just saying a little earlier, and you say in the book, is it was such a place of love and peace that you didn't really want to leave it. I did not. I was ready to go all the way. I was ready to go all the way because there was absolute, gosh, I wish I could find words for this. Um, it was just absolute peace. I never felt so peaceful. I never felt so loved. I never, there's just no way to describe it. There's just no way to describe it. And so, no, I didn't, I didn't want to come back, but in the years since then, I have learned, come to understand so much and so many different things. And quite honestly, I believe that if I can get folks to understand the message that I put in the book and the message I'm sharing with you this morning, 
that one person at a time, we can turn our world around. If we can get people to understand that it's going to be okay, I can handle it. Because the minute you do that, you shift that negative fear energy into positive love energy. And that all starts with a thought. When you have a positive thought, it generates instantly with a positive feeling. All positive feelings are connected to the one emotion of love. Negative thought, negative feeling, the emotion of fear. Every time we think, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen to my job? What's going to happen to my health? What about coronavirus? What if I don't have money for my kids to go to college? What if, what if, what if? All negative stuff. Every one of them generate a negative feeling, emotion of fear, and you have to understand that that spiritual energy that we have can't be created or destroyed. What we were born with is what we have, and it'll shift back and forth. That morning in Boston, when I was ready to kill myself and all I wanted to do was die, my negative energy fear level was, was taking up, I would bet you, 85 or 90% of my spiritual energy, and I had no ability to move forward. I felt hopeless. And I'm worried that we have folks out there today that are feeling hopeless when they should not be. They should be feeling excited about the opportunity, see what we're going to learn from this. We don't learn until we're faced with a challenge. But we have to remember there are two sides to every coin. The negative stuff is there, but if we can push back the fear, if we can manage the fear, now our eyes are open and we can see the big picture. We can see the positive opportunities that are coming. Are we going to change the way we live after this whole thing is over? Certainly we are. Is it all going to be bad? No. There are a lot of good opportunities. We're going to be changing, and that is a positive thing. We can make it positive or we can make it negative. And the thing is, we do have choice. We choose each moment where that energy is going to be, in that positive light or look negatively. Absolutely. And it's all controlled by your thought. In fact, what I'd like to do is share real quick with your visitor or with your listeners that you can learn to control your thinking. And I've done this many, many times with my clients. We get locked in a loop of negative thinking, which keeps us in a state of upset, frustration, anger, fear, whatever. And, but here's what happens. You can only hold one thought at a time. So look back over your life. Pick out one or two things that were just absolutely fantastic. You felt like this was the top of the world. You never felt better in your life. And reduce that event to one or two words. I have a client who is French-Canadian. He's in a very high-stress business, and he was having a very difficult time. So one morning in one of our sessions, I said to him, I said, Andrew, tell me a little bit about something in your past that was wonderful. He said, I speak fluent French. So my wife and I spent 15 days in France, not as a tourist, but immersed in the population. He said it was the most beautiful 15 days of our life, and I could just watch the stress drain away. He was smiling and laughing when he finished the story. I said, reduce that to one or two words. He said, Paris. 
That was five years ago. He's still using it. His business has doubled since then because he has changed the way he makes his decisions. He's changed the way he runs his business and approaches it. His family life is fantastic, all because he learned how to control his thoughts. Yes. And is it I, – I, I know that. I, I believe that. It, it – um, I think some of us are maybe much more open to just saying, yes, that makes sense, but other people may be resistant. Is that just part of the process of, of learning and accepting that, Nick? Yes, it is. Uh, you see, we, we live in what basically is described as our comfort zone. Our comfort zone is the behavior that we do which supports how we see ourselves in our self-image. For example, uh, let's say that I weigh 250 pounds and I want to weigh 200. In my self-image, I see myself at 250 pounds. I go on a diet. I lose back to 100 pounds. A year later, you find out I'm back to 250 and you want to know why. Because I never changed my self-image. I still saw myself at 250. So <clears throat> when I got when I kept up the behavior that got me to 200, it was uncomfortable for me. Well, I'll just sneak in a little Big Mac here and a little Big Mac there, no big problem. And the next thing I know, I'm, uh, I'm back to 250. That's who I really am. And so we live in this little, uh, if you will, bubble of our comfort zone, which doesn't necessarily mean good zone. It, it, it's it's kind of like I'll live with the devil I know versus the devil I don't. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing, sustained, long-term, positive change never takes place until the pain of the present becomes greater than the fear of the change. Because change generates fear. Change represents the unknown. And here, in these current times, we whether we like it or not, are all in this together where change is what needs to happen. So again, we have that choice as to how we will treat it. Exactly. And part of that is we have to understand we cannot control that which is outside of us. We have no control over the virus. We have no control over the civil unrest. We have no control over the political turmoil. We don't control any of that. Quite honestly, we don't even have influence over it. The only thing we truly control is ourself. And the only way that we can feel comfortable in who we are and not worry about what goes on out there is to have a high level of internal security. And to have that internal security, as I mentioned earlier, there's three things uh, that, we mu- that we must have faith in in order to have that internal security. Number one, faith in ourselves. Now, that's good to a point. For example, those things we're really good at, like you are in your, in your profession, uh, you have faith in what you do. However, we have areas that we don't feel so strong in. So that's when we start to turn to those around us, those close relationships, and we trust them. We believe in them to be our backup. And most of the time, those close to us will do that, but they can't always because they have to take care of themselves first. So we have faith in those two things, but both of them are likely to let us down. 
not maliciously, but just by human nature. Now, the third area is our belief in God or a higher power, whatever, you know, the individual believes. But my clients say to me, Nick, well, I do, I believe, but uh, I'm not always sure that he's there. Because when I'm in trouble, I pray. I pray for what I want, but I don't always get it. So if I don't, then, you know, maybe he's not there. Maybe I should be a little careful about putting my belief there, putting my faith there. But here's what I help them to understand. We pray for what we want. God gives us what we need. Mm -hmm. But we don't see that when we're consumed by fear. We're blinded to it. And even if we see it, we're paralyzed to the point that we can't move because we're totally confused about what our next step should be, because that's what fear does to us. And so once we come to understand that, once we come to understand, to believe that, and to believe it, we have to know, we have to have a deep belief that it doesn't make any difference what happens. We are going to be just fine. We can handle it. We can handle it. May not come out like we wanted, but you know what? We'll still be here. And that's where sharing stories is so critical because uh, when we've had the, well, the gift of having some years of life behind us, we have that perspective and we can see that ebb and flow. Younger people may say, oh, no. Uh, the, the, how can that be? But that's where the stories, sharing the experiences really is critical. And really any of us, at regardless what age, need sometimes to have that reassurance or that encouragement. And and here it is. You're, you're sharing what has gone on in your life. And you've seen that happening where there have been the challenges. And you say, God, I've tried to be faithful, and how do you reward me? But those rewards aren't necessarily the result. It's not what we want, but what we need. Exactly. And we go through those things to prepare us for whatever our mission is. Because we all have one in one way or another. First of all, every one of us were given the same mission. Everyone that was ever born, same mission, and that was to grow spiritually while we're here. Everybody had that one then each individual was blessed with a certain level of skill, talent, whatever, that they would hone and would use that to accomplish whatever their other mission may have been. In my belief, everything that I went through prepared me to do what I'm doing today. You mentioned the younger people. In my coaching client base, I have several millennials. I will tell you, these young people are reaching out. They're reaching out for... How do I live in the world I'm in today? Because things have changed so rapidly with the onset of the digital this and the digital that, that even the younger people are almost overwhelmed by it because it just keeps coming and coming and coming. And as a result of that, they're searching for, believe it or not, they're searching for discipline. They're looking for something solid that they can hold on to. That's where the wisdom of older people come from. Unfortunately, over the years, we have abandoned that whole concept that we saw in the Native Americans in the very beginning, the elders of the tribe. Nobody did anything without checking with the elders because of the wisdom. We gave that up, particularly when we first started getting into the uh, more into the digital stuff and things of that nature, because, oh, that's just old fashioned. 
Actually, it's really not, uh, because wisdom is important. Matter of fact, I posted on Facebook some time back, the reason we don't appreciate wisdom anymore is because, number one, there's no app for it, and number two, I can't get, pull up to a drive-up window, buy $5 worth, and drive off. <laughs> and that's the world we live in today. Hmm. And wisdom is Wisdom is something that, you know, over the course of my life, I've thought is something to really aspire to, to to really be considered wise at some point. And it all comes from your life experience. Wisdom can only, you, you can't just get it. You earn it by going through life. And even, there is wisdom even in 22 and 23-year-olds. They can show wisdom to those that are in the 7th, 8th, 10th grade, high school, whatever, because they've been there. They've experienced that. What they've learned and how they learned it, they can share with those that are younger than them and help them to move on with life as well. And that's a very important and needed wisdom. Yes, it is. Yes. Yes, it is. So this is so critical. Again, we get back to this place of it is very simple. And it's complex at the same time. But by opening ourselves up to this is the path, this is who we are and, and what we are here for, I believe is what helps us to navigate where, where we find ourselves at this time and uh, feel like we can move, not cower under that under the bed. We can move forward. Yes, we may feel a little unsteady, but you're helping us to see how it is a matter of just taking it a step at a time, a day at a time. Exactly. There, uh, here's something very important to remember. The past is past. You can't change. You can't fix it. It is what it is. Let it go. We were given the strength, if you will, uh, well, we've all heard the thing that God would never give us a load to carry greater than he gave us the strength to carry. But what we missed is the part where that is the strength for this 24-hour period. The past is past. That's already been handled. Don't worry about it. It's not you, – you can't do anything about it anyway. Live in today. Deal with today. Look forward to tomorrow because tomorrow is bright. It's beautiful regardless of what happens Tomorrow and, and the future is going to be wonderful. We're going to gain from it in so many different ways, which we don't even see right now. But we can't live there yet because it hasn't come yet. Let's live in today. Enjoy what we have. Handle the challenge today. And that way you prepared yourself to handle tomorrow's challenges. When you get up in the morning, let yesterday go. You can't change it. You can't fix it. Let it go. Live in today. Enjoy the moment. And there's wisdom. Nick Nicholas, it is really so refreshing and, and such encouragement to be able to have a conversation with you. Your book, let's mention that, Reclaiming My Life, My Journey Back to God, really shares so much more of your life and, and the journey. So that gives us insights and encouragement. And you have a website where we can also get a lot of other information as well, correct? That is correct. The website is nickcoaches.com, and there's a place on there for comments, a place on there where you can ask questions, and when I get those, I try to answer all of them. There are an awful lot of them, 
But uh, if it takes a while for me to get back to you, please be patient, uh, because I do strive to answer each and every one. And that is such a gift to really acknowledge the personhood of every individual who reaches out to you. Yes, it is, because you have to understand every one of us is very special. There was never anybody like us before us. There'll never be anybody like us after us. And there's nobody like us right now. We are unique and special. We need to look at ourselves as being unique, special, and in a very positive light. As one of my mentors was Zig Ziglar. And Zig told me one day in one of our sessions, he said, Nick, you've got to remember, God makes no junk. Stop treating yourself like junk. So perfect. And that is what you are relaying, conveying to us this morning, Nick Nicholas. I so greatly appreciate this time, this encouragement, the wisdom, and uh, for you really living your mission and bringing it forward to us. I really appreciate the opportunity to share it. Uh, God has blessed me with a special, uh, a special talent, as he has everyone, and I am just blessed to be able to share it. And I thank you uh, for the opportunity to spread that message. And I really was honored, and it's been a pleasure to be on your show this morning. Thank you.